Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Make it happen. In John chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Jesus is God. Pray with me. God, thank you for... Your love and your mercy. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, God. And I ask you now by your spirit, Lord, to touch my mouth and my mind, uh, my body, God. Give me strength to stand in this place and the words to say what you would have me to say. God, I thank you for each person who's come here today, and we need you. So I ask you to be our teacher from your word by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow is the first day of August. That should sound an alarm to everybody who is alive to let them know. If, if you start thinking about it's already August 1st tomorrow, what, what should that tell you is happening? The year is going by. I do not want you to let 2022 sneak by you the way 2021, 2020, 2019 all these other years have snuck by you because I'm going to keep telling you that we do not need to neglect the time. The Bible tells us to redeem the time. So many people, and I'm in that frame right now, so many people get old and they start asking themselves. Now, I'm never going to ask myself because I'd hear my own answer. Where did all the time go? Where did all the time? Seems like just yesterday we were in our 20s. Seems like just yesterday I was in college. Well, the time went where it goes. It, it went one, one second at a time, one minute at a time, one hour at a time, one day at a time, a week at a time, a month at a time, and a year at a time. But, man, when I looked on the calendar and I saw that August is coming tomorrow, it, I still thought, wow, 2022 is flying by. And I want to encourage you, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. Make something of the rest of this year that you have. Make something of the rest of this day that you have. The Bible tells us to redeem the time. So tomorrow is the first day of August, and August is going to be a big month for me personally. Uh, not so much because it's my natural birthday. Uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't in decades celebrated uh, my natural birthday. I don't, uh, you know, to me it's just another day of the week. I, I didn't have to jump on that train of uh, age is just a number. Um, I, I always rejoiced in working on my birthday um, because I love what I do. But on August 6th, I'll turn 59 years old, um, and then I can quit saying I'm almost 59, so that'll be cool. But on August 17th, they're going to crack my head open and, and take this ping-pong-sized tumor out of uh, my neck, head, and jawbone region. And I, I would hope that if you care at all that you'd be praying for me, the list of possible uh bad things that could happen. Whew, man. Uh, I, I remember that morning we were praying together, Wayne. I remember, Wayne, Wayne called me from the stretcher. He was still under. Do you even remember? You don't remember even talking to me, do you? He was all the way under. He said, I, I, Pastor said, call when I get out. 
he, they were wheeling him out of surgery back, back to the recovery room, and he called to let me know he was still alive. But, and I thank God for it, even though you don't even remember it. But I know they probably showed you all, you had to sign a piece of paper saying that if they paralyze you, if, if they cut off half your head, ruin your back, break both legs. I mean, I mean, the list of stuff that you have to agree to allow them to do up until death, it's just wow. And um, I've had several major surgeries in my life. I broke my neck and had a, uh, a cervical fusion on my C4, 5, 6, and 7. Uh, broke my back twice, had my... Uh, L4, L5, and S1 uh, uh, operated on. Um, but I don't know that I've ever had a two-and-a-half-hour scheduled surgery on the table. Um, so I don't know what they plan on doing, but pray for me on August 17th. Uh, I ain't going to call you when I wake up rolling to the, uh, to, to, <laughs> to the recovery room, Wayne, but uh, when I wake up, I will think about you and, and everybody else. Uh, that is praying for me. August is a big month. Our book, of, uh, our book of the month for August is going to be this very Gospel of St. John. And I love this book. And I was telling the elders and deacons this morning before uh, we came out, we always pray together on Sunday morning. I said, man, I need y'all to be praying during the service because if there's ever been a message uh, that people are going to push back on, it would be this title, Jesus is God. I told you before, you can get away with talking about God in the workplace, online, to friends and family. People say, oh, you shouldn't discuss God and politics. Well, it depends on what type of God you discuss. If you talk about the universe being God, your higher power being God, the light inside of you, your, yourself being God, people will give you leeway for that. But if you ever try to position the reality that Jesus is God himself, now you got people upset. And people do not want to come to grips with this fact, so much so that the body of Christ has been lured away into cults like the Jehovah's Witness and the Seventh-day Adventists that believe that Jesus was the Son of God, but not God. Let me tell you something. If Jesus is not God, then you have no Savior because the Bible says God himself will pay for their sins. So we got to understand that Jesus... The, God, the, the, the Jesus that this book talks about is God in the flesh. God told us that his name would be called Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. When the disciples told Jesus, look, we're not really following you. You're always talking about the Father. Show us the Father and we'll be satisfied with that. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus went around, if you want a cool Bible study to do, just put in a search engine, go to blueletterbible.com and just put in the words, I am, and look at all the times the word I am pops up. That's why the religious leaders of the first century hated Jesus, because he was always declaring of himself that he was I am, which is the name that God gave to Moses. To, when he said, tell, them, tell me what your name is so I can tell them, and he said, I am, and Jesus declared that he is, I am. So we're going to be looking at the gospel of John. I don't know. I've got a lot that I want to share with you out of John's gospel. I don't know if it's going to uh, go past today, but I hope that you will take time this month and read 21 incredible chapters rich in encouragement, in explanation, and great theology. 
I can tell you what the book of John is all about because God, God told us all in John chapter 20, verse 30, the Bible says the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. Listen to verse 31. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. This is the purpose for this gospel is so that we could know that Jesus is the Messiah. So let's jump into it. I'm going to be a little teachy today. You're going to have to be a little learner-oriented. So here, verse 1 says, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, here's what's wild. If you look at all four gospel writers, you'll find out that they started their gospel in their chapter 1, verse 1, with a different place and time chronologically. One started with the genealogy of Christ. One started with the coronation of Christ. One, one started with uh, the, the, the annunciation of Jesus uh, it, to Zechariah. But John started in the beginning. Say beginning. Okay, well, the beginning of what? All of time. Here, here's a concept that, that most people don't get. We should understand it at Abundant Life because I've shared it with you often. Eternity, the, the average person, when you talk to them about eternity, if I said for all eternity, your mind would automatically move forward. That eternity is forward. Eternity is future. But eternity can't be future without being past. Eternity covers all of time. Eternity is eternity future and eternity past. So if eternity has no beginning and no end, then when is the beginning? Remember what God said. God started the entire Bible by, with this same phrase, in the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of God? Do like this. There is no beginning of God. Well, how can that be? Oh, it be. And if you struggle with believing that God has no beginning and you refuse to accept that just by faith, how can you really be sure that God will get your dead body up out of this ground and into a place called heaven that we've never even seen? God is bigger than our mind. God is bigger than our understanding. He gives us glimpses so that we can get an idea or a concept. This is why it's funny to me that most denominations believe that they have the whole market cornered on God and what God's really about when God is bigger than any denomination. Can you say amen? God is bigger than us four and no more. And when he says in the beginning, he, he, I believe that he's talking about the beginning as it pertains to our understanding. The beginning of this earth. Are there other? I almost said, are there other earths? No. Are there other planets, galaxies, universes? Are, 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 people are like, I don't like to think about that. Well, you don't have to think about it, but you got to know this world did not start, or God did not start with this world. God is older than time. And God existed I love this. I read this. I wanted to quote it. I'm glad God let me look down. 
I read uh, one theologian said this week, God existed long before he created. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, so many people have confused their theology and thought God created Adam and Eve to have fellowship with humans. God had no need for fellowship. God never was lonely. God wasn't sitting up in heaven saying, man, I just wish I had a human being to talk to. No, God, God is comfortable in and of himself, especially because he always had Jesus there with him. And he always had the Holy Spirit. And people have problems with it. Well, how can God really be a trinity? And you know, there are great preachers in this, in this world that don't even believe that God's a trinity. But Google, does T.D. Jakes believe that God is a trinity? I love Pastor Jakes. I think he's the greatest storyteller in the history of preaching. But he is a, uh, he is a Pentecostal oneness faith and uh, believes that if you've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that your salvation is not legitimate because you are, you are a confused uh, Trinitarian when there's only one God, his name is Jesus, and they baptize in Jesus only. Now, does that, does that discount his preaching? No. The, the, I, I, I wish that America could understand that they should stop trying to boil down the entirety of a, a, a human being to their one issue that you disagree with and cancel them all together. Mm, I can't receive from Pastor Scott. He said, the body, the God said the body's the temple of the Holy Ghost, and he's up there being fat. True story. Um. You, if you, but people are so quick to cancel you for one for your worst issue. Listen, I don't, I don't, I'm not into canceling Bishop Jakes. I believe Bishop Jakes has done great things for the kingdom of God. But uh, I believe that if he found a third grade Sunday school teacher that rightly understood the first chapter of the Gospel of Saint John, she could teach him that God is a Trinity. Tough stuff, the stuff people disagree with. Listen, if you could ever get out of your own way and just say, I'm going to believe whatever God says just because he said it. My mom prepared me for that. I thank God for the mother I had. I didn't understand it as a child. I watched other parents have conversations. My mom and I had very few conversations in life. She told me what to do, and she left the room. And that was it. And it was because I said so, no questions asked. And that has allowed me to believe what God said. Well, I'm a thinking person. Oh, you value your intellect above faith. I'm going to keep moving. The Bible says, in the beginning, the word already existed. In what beginning? In our beginning. In the beginning of time, as humankind knows it, the word already existed. It goes on to say in the second, second sentence in verse 1, the word was with God and the word was God. So when, when this verse says the word, it's, it's talking about uh, a person, and that person is who? Jesus. Je so when, when you read this, you could aptly place the name of Jesus there because this is nothing more than one of the names God calls Jesus. Okay? God refers to Jesus as the word. We know that because he refers to him as the word right here. Now, you might only have one name. Now, some people grew up with, with names. Anybody believe that there are cultural differences uh, based on race in the world? 
Absolutely. People get all stiff when I go to point those out like, that, like they don't exist. Let me tell you something. If you are black and you didn't have a nickname growing up, you are an exception to the rule. Am I, ain't I right, Carolina? This nickname's out there. It ain't just Ray Ray Pookie and them. It's some of Tay Tay, Riri, Kiki. It's some of everything. Well, don't wipe it. Yeah, Bubba. That's the, the whole white nickname right there. Bubba. Had to throw a twist on it because I had two sons. So I didn't, couldn't call them both Bubba. They didn't look at the same time. So I called one of them Bubby and Bubba. That's how creative white mind is. Uh, let me leave that alone. No, I don't, I'm not a self-hater. Get off me with that. But lots of people had nicknames growing up. Me personally, I had no nicknames. I was just Scott. I've never been Scotty. I'm just Scott. Uh, that's all I've been. But Jesus has been called by many names by the Father. And maybe you were too. Maybe, I mean, Seth's been called by multiple uh, names by me. And when the Bible says the word in this context, it's talking about who? Jesus. So we could say, in the beginning, who already existed? I want you to think of it that way. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. Well, I thought Jesus was born 2,000 years ago in a manger. The Jesus that came to this earth in human form was born, chose to be born in a manger 2,000 years ago, but he already existed before God even created this world. The Bible says the word or Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Now, if you want to be intellectual about it, if you want to put your brain power ahead of your faith power, if you choose to think that you're smarter than all of the people that came before you and the God that taught them and revealed his truth to them, you might have a problem with this. Well, how can he be God and be with God? Is he talking to himself? No, he's not talking to himself. God, the Trinity is very well uh, taught throughout the ages. God is both God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. There is no analogy you can do God justice with. People try. Well, you know, God is like an egg. It's just one egg. But there's the shell, the yolk, and the white, but it's all the egg. I see where you're going with that, but that doesn't do God justice. Well, God is like water. Water is water, but it's also, water is also steam, and water is also ice. I see where you're going, but that doesn't do God justice. Why? Because we're trying to use those analogies so people can wrap their head around what this triune God is all about. When God is not looking for intellect, God is looking for faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God, and we just need to believe that God is three in one. Now, here's the reality. We got people in this room that do not believe in the Trinity. So here's what I'll do. I'm equal opportunity offender. I'll just get everybody, and I'm equal opportunity in unity. So let's just, just, just say this after me. Say, say God, is God is three in one. That is the truth. That is the accepted truth by orthodox theologians for all time. 
current movements have problems with that. I, I was sharing with the staff this morning. Uh, I don't know why it was so funny to me, but, and I understand many times the things that are funny to me, especially inside the faith, aren't always funny to everyone else. But I was reading a commentary on this passage this week, and one, one theologian I read at the end of this verse, it says, the word was God. And he went on to talk about how plainly stated and how forthright that statement was. And it stands alone with little need for explanation that Jesus is God. And then he said it would take a Jehovah's Witness to get confused about that. And I just, I don't know why, I've, I've just been laughing about that. I'm like, it really is simple if you read it and let the words speak. And this is where we get into what I've taught you before, the difference between exegesis and isogesis. These are theological terms, and it is the job of the theologian to exegete without ever isogeting. To exegete is to draw out of the passage what it says. And that's what we need to do as followers of Jesus Christ, is to take from the passage what the passage says. To eisegete is to read into the passage what you want it to say. And that's what so many people do, and that's why we have so many different denominations on the planet. When people say, well, Pastor Scott, what type of denomination is abundant life? Is abundant life a uh, non-denominational church? Well, that's hard to say because there's so many of them out there They've almost become a denomination unto themselves. We're just a Bible church. We're, we're, we are the church of God following Jesus Christ. And we are committed to the truth of God's word. And we see plainly here in the first verse of the first chapter of the gospel according to St. John that Jesus was God. Now the title of the message, anybody remember what the title of the message is? Jesus is God. So how can I take from verse 1 that Jesus was God? I think it's clear to see that the Word is talking about Jesus. So we can say Jesus was God, but now I'm telling you that Jesus is God. When the Word says Jesus was God, how can I make this leap from Jesus was God to Jesus is God? Let's pretend we're in Wednesday night open discussion Bible study and some theologian in the room tell us how I can make the leap from Jesus was God to Jesus is God. Because he never changes. If he ever was God, he's still God today. Can you say amen? Was he God then? Is he God now? He can't be less than God. He, he can't be greater than God. He can't be less than God. He, he can only be equal to God because he is God. Well, I don't understand it. I'm so glad you don't. You have an opportunity to step into the very thing that will please your heavenly father more than anything, which is faith. Choose to believe it. I believe, listen, believe it because your father said so. One of the greatest examples I've got of childlike faith. Remember what Jesus said. He was talking to adults that were heady, that were intellectual, that were religious-minded, that wanted to try to comprehend everything in their own powerful brain. And he told them, unless you all become as little children, you can't come to me unless you have childlike faith. Faith. And listen, 
Kids believe stuff just because they're told. I, I think Seth has finally given up on it. I told my kids uh, when they were little that I could fly. I don't know why. The Bible says everyone lies. Don't get on me. Get on yourself. I don't even know how it came up, why, but it became a thing. And, and they believed it. They were convinced. Well, I know, I know Dad can fly. It won't be hard for Dad to get there. He'll just fly. Well, Seth is the intellect in our family. And he asked me one day, he said, Dad, I know you can fly. But why don't you show me? Because I've never seen you fly. And so I told him, I said, well, son, it is a superpower. But I can only do it when no one's watching and everyone's asleep. And that's why when years later we saw a T-shirt in a surf shop, it was hilarious to me. Shirt said, I'm not saying I'm Batman. I'm just saying you've never seen me and Batman in the same room at the same time. But kids believe stuff. The greatest, wildest example of just faith against logic was when Seth was probably... Uh, about six years old, um, we were building out the property on Blanding Boulevard. We had, we had taken over sticks and stuff on Blanding Boulevard uh, in Orange Park near Kingsley Avenue. And we, we went in there, and I took a, a front-end loader, and I just drove through all the walls in the sticks and stuff, knocked them down, and we, we had a 40,000-square-foot floor just a big giant slab of concrete and we were building stuff on it. We had scissor lifts in there and we were hanging lights and putting up sheetrock and building out bathrooms and turning that place into a church. And there's my little six-year-old on top of the scissor lift that went all the way up 27 feet. And he's, you can tell the whole thing all collapsed all the way to the top. And I yelled at him. I said, son, get down off that thing. That's too high. And he was up there with a teenager. So, son, get down off that thing. You're going to fall. He looked at me and said, I ain't scared. This boy don't have common sense to be scared. So I said, if you ain't scared, then jump. And as I was saying, he launched off from 27 feet in the air, hurling his body at me on concrete. So I knew, in, in the, in, I mean, that kind of stuff makes time slow down for a superhero like me. So <laughs> I knew I had to catch him high because the weight was going to shoot him down. And so, thank God, this was prior to back surgery. This was prior to neck surgery. And uh, we never had a six-year-old splatter on concrete because I can hear my, the cross-examination. Pastor Becker, did you tell the six-year-old child that was not safety strapped in, that was not being uh, observed by an adult, did you, did you in fact command your... You've always, you said that you command your children and they obey you. Did you command the six-year-old child to hurl himself at the concrete? Yes. But why, why did he jump? Because I told him to. 
Why, why didn't he sit there and think, now if I jump and this old man don't catch me and splash my head all over this concrete and they're going to pick me up with a mop. Do you think it ran through his mind that he would be in danger if he jumped into my arms? No. No, his brain wasn't fully developed. His prefrontal cortex did not have the capacity at that point. Now, if he was 27 feet up and there was just me in concrete right now and I said jump, he would say, go get someone to catch me <laughs> or, or, or get me a ladder. But children believe, say believe. Adults start to try to figure stuff out. And that's why Jesus said, you got to come with a childlike faith. That childlike faith that says, my dad's got me. And when it comes to the Trinity, I don't need an egg and an eggshell and some egg white and some yellow. I don't need all these different explanations about how can God be one but three. Listen, it is what it is. And Jesus is God. Now, in, in Genesis 1-1, when God said, in the beginning, God created. Those two words in Hebrew are Elohim bara, God created. But we've looked at the study of the Old Testament many times and seen that there are many names that God has revealed himself by, both in the Old and in the New Testament. And here he called himself Elohim. And the interesting thing about Elohim is that it is a plural word. This God went on to teach that God is that there is only one true God, but the first time God designated who he is by name, he called himself plural. Now, it might be difficult for some people to, to, to grasp that, uh, but if you continue to read from verse 1 to verse 26, where God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, If God predates everything, God is only one, and God's saying, let us in our likeness, who was God talking to? God's either schizophrenic or he was talking to Jesus. And quite obviously, he was not schizophrenic, is not schizophrenic, was not having uh, mental clarity issues. God, get this, God has never been alone. There was never a time where God existed outside of Jesus. And there was never a time where Jesus existed outside of God. God has always been. So that means that Jesus has always been. And that means the Holy Spirit has always been. In verse 2 in John 1, the Bible says, He, being Jesus, existed in the beginning with God. So now we're back to this confusion. When the beginning, I thought God didn't have a beginning. God doesn't have a beginning. God could not explain to us his origin, not because he doesn't know how to explain it, but because our brains couldn't accept it. You don't try to explain to a three-month-old baby why they can't have whole catfish. You don't try to explain to a, to a six-month-old baby why you're putting uh, food in on a spoon and shoving it into their mouth that you would never eat. 
I've never tried it. I don't know. Some of y'all parents out there, as I know some moms out there, have tried those cream peas and, and that mush. Co- is, is it awesome? It's nasty. It's not. Listen, you, but you can't explain to that child why they can't have the whole catfish special at Whitey's. It's not, it's, they're not ready. They can't, they can't eat it right. They choke on the bones. And, and God could never explain everything about himself to us. It's, it's too far beyond our capacity. So you either have to believe it or argue with it. And you would find yourself a fool to argue with God. So we're going to continue to operate on this capacity that when we can't figure it out, we what? We faith it out. Jesus existed in the beginning with God. What beginning? This beginning. When did that start? In the beginning. When was it? Right there. How do you know? God said so. That's almost an Abbott and Costello routine. Who's on first? Yeah. No, God is in the beginning. What beginning? The beginning God's talking about. God's beginning? No. Our beginning? Maybe. This beginning. What God said. Jesus existed in the beginning with God. So that means that Jesus was around before Adam and Eve. Jesus was around before Noah and Abraham. Now it's funny because Abraham's not the first big character, a big person that God talks about in the history of the world, but he's the one people gravitated to. All three major religions on the planet look to Abraham as the father of their faith, whether it's Christianity, Islam, or Judaism. And uh, Jesus was around before all of that. Listen to one of the things that made people really want to kill Jesus when he was on the planet. In John 8, 58, the Bible says, Jesus said to them, most assuredly, that's, that's you know old speak for for real, for real, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Oh, he's just slapping these people all around. This is mental hijinks for them. This, this is some serious, this is, this is it, it, mental terrorism at this point because they thought Abraham was the everything. Abraham, they, they talk about the God of Abraham. You don't hear them say the God of Adam. Adam been around before. You don't hear them say the God of uh, Abel or Seth or the God of, they say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because that was their uh, big trifecta. And they were all looking to Abraham and arguing with Jesus about what Abraham said. And Jesus said, listen here, for real, I'm telling you the truth. Before Abraham was, he could have said, I was. But he knew if he said, I am, they would hear what he was saying. See, we read this in 2022, American style, and I am. He should have said, I was. No, he was making a point. He not only was speaking to the chronology of the thing, he was speaking to the deity of the thing. Deity, the deity of Christ means that Jesus is God. And he want, And if, you, if we had time, uh, you can look it up later. Verse 59, guess what they did? In verse 59, they picked up rocks to kill him for saying that. They did not like Jesus equating himself to God. And people today still do not like 
Jesus equating himself to God. And that's why they go through these uh, creative hijinks to try to say that Jesus is like God or Jesus is a great teacher. No, Jesus is God. It says so in his book. In verse 3 of our text, the Bible says, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Now, if this would have been Wednesday night Bible study, I would have put the next question on your note taker sheet and I would have asked it before the verse to try to throw you off to get you thinking. But I've already read the verse. I'll ask the question anyway. Who created this world? Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, what? God created. So who created this world? Okay, well, verse 3 said, God created. Now, here, here's the thing about Elohim. Elohim, Barah, God created in Genesis 1.1, is a plural use of God calling himself as a plurality, meaning he's more than one. Many times when the Bible talks about God, our English word God is a plural form of the word God uh, from the Hebrew or the Greek language. But also many times there's the singular form. And every time that there is the singular form, it's talking about the fatherhood of God. And every time there's the plural form, it's talking about the Trinitarian nature of God. And God created, this is a singular usage of the word, God the Father created everything through him and nothing was created except through him who's the him jesus okay so if i tell dina to make a um well dina, dina's, dina's not here today she's not feeling well pray for her uh I, we'll, we'll use a, a real live example who Put this power, who put this verse on PowerPoint? Anybody know? He's sitting in a sound booth right now. Elder Keon. But who created it first? Who, who, who sent it to him? And who, who typed it out and sent it to him and told him to put it on the PowerPoint? I did. So I created this PowerPoint. But for our purposes, Elder Keon created this PowerPoint under my direction. But the reality is this is his... This is his PowerPoint directed by me. That's a lot of wind to say who created everything. Jesus did because God orchestrated it that way. So God created the heaven and the earth in the person of who? Jesus. Now, you could throw off everybody you want to throw off. You go to your job tomorrow. You could go, uh, you go on social media and say who created the heaven and the earth. And everybody on there would say God. And you could say, well, you're part right. Jesus created. And they will argue with you tooth and nail. No, Jesus. Who, who created the sun and the moon? Who created the stars? Who created the planets? Who created the water? Who separated the dry earth from the water? Who put the firmament in the heavens? Who created the animals? Who created man? Everybody would say God, and you would say, Jesus created everything. And they would argue you to death. And then when you took them to John 1, 3 and said, God created everything through Jesus. And nothing was created except through Jesus. Jesus was the 
creator. And then people would say, you're wrong. God is the creator. And you could say this. Yes. Now you got them all worked up, don't you? And then they would have to conclude at some point, I can't do nothing with people like that. Exactly. Stop arguing with the truth. God had Jesus to create everything. Verse 4 goes on to say, the Word, who is the Word? Jesus. Jesus gave life to everything that was created and brought, and His life brought light to everyone. Who breathed into humans and made them a living soul? You always thought that was the Father. Every person in this room thought that was the Father. Every person you talk to on social media thinks that's the Father. If you said who created the fish and the moon and the stars, everybody in this room thought that was the Father. Every Christian on the planet, uh, with the exception of some deep theologians and us, think that it was the Father. But who gave life to creation? Isn't that what the Word says? Now, I'm not saying go spend the next 13 hours arguing less intelligent people than you on the Internet. But how many of y'all think if you told people it was Jesus, not the Father, that breathed the breath of life in and caused a man to be a living soul, how many of y'all know they would argue with you and say, no, that was the Father? Well, you tell me. Who gave life to everything that was created? I mean, read it right off verse 4, the what? And who's the word? Ooh, how many of y'all know God is bigger than we thought? How many of you know you can't figure everything else about him? Got to faith it. You got to faith this thing. Verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now, in this context, who is the light that is shining in the darkness? Jesus is the light. He, 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 he's the light that shines in the darkness. And in this translation, which is the New Living Translation, it says the darkness can never extinguish it. I want to tell you something. That's good news. It don't matter how twisted this world gets. They can't put out the light who is God. They, they, can, they cannot extinguish no matter how hard they try. And listen, everything that we're fighting about right now as a culture is a spiritual setup to attack God. It, it, I, I, I started to comment on this one adult now who was raised in his church as a child many years ago who has under her Facebook page as her motto, her I don't even know what your Facebook saying that you put right there, your profile statement, it says, Fight the patriarchy. Because she is a woman. Hear her roar. She has bought in to third wave feminism. And she has bought in to the fallacy that men are evil. And that men are to be battled against. Well, do you know who the ultimate patriarch is? God. Do you know who established Gender roles, God. Do you know what people are for or who people are fighting against as they fight against gender roles with gender identities? God. 
Do you know who established that a man should leave his father and mother and cling only to his wife? Do you know who created a man to have a physical part that matched up with a woman's physical part whereby they could create another human being as a biological man and a biological... Do you know who designed a biological man and a biological woman to only have sexual intercourse with each other? God, everything that rouses against that, everything that fights against that, everything that wars against that, teaches against that, or even tries to speak against that is a fight against God. And it doesn't matter how woke America gets cheering on this dude that is breaking these swimming records. Have you seen this man swimmer? This is insane. This man swimmer is taller than every man in this room. Wider shoulders than every man in this room. Bigger hands, bigger feet than every man in this room. This dude is huge. This dude still all has his man parts. He just decided, listen, he was swimming on his man's college team. He was the last-ranked swimmer on his own college team, men's swimming team. Factual. He was the 483rd-ranked swimmer in college in men's swimming. Well, he decided, I don't like coming in last every week, and I just think I will be, I'll make myself to be a woman. Listen, you put a dress on a dude, that's still a dude. You can castrate that brother. He's still a man. He's just missing a little something or a lot of something. I don't know. That's funny right there. This dude went, I mean, you know, following along with the woman of the year. I ain't even a woman, but I'm mad for women. They made Bruce Jenner the woman of the year. He ain't half the woman that any woman in this room is. They could have found a better woman uh, of the year right in this room right now today. Bruce, Caitlyn Jenner. Every, every, every cell in that man's body is male. They dig Bruce Jenner up 100 years from now, he might be in a dress with a tiara on his head. They're going to say, man. You're not being polite to the pronoun. No, you're being an idiot. Pronouns ain't got no feeling. You can't be disrespecting a pronoun. Oh, that's disrespecting a pronoun. They've now made it punishable to our children in elementary school. If they misgender a student, they get suspended from school. Listen, you send your boy in a dress to school, the whole school ought to say, take that dress off, boy. Miss Jen, listen, all that drama is nothing but a fight against the Creator. God said a man is a man and a woman is a woman. God called man, now this is incredible, God called man Ish. Guess what he called woman? I'll say, I'll say it in a dramatic way, and some of you brothers have understand it. Ish. Ah. Hmm, ish, ah. 
God called a biological man a man and a biological woman a woman. He created them in a way that they would go together. Like rama lama linga da dinga da ding de dong. Yeah. Woman and a woman. Hey, I'm gonna tell you what. You want you want to get on that track? And I am I'm not mad at homosexuals. I don't believe homosexuals are any worse than sin than overeating. Or speeding down the highway. The Bible says you offended at one point, you offended them all. But you don't have people who speed down the highway trying to confuse the eternal plan of God 24-7 on social media in our culture. But you got these crazy gender, you got this guy that was the 400 plus worst best swimmer in the country. Now he's the number one best girl swimmer. What do y'all think's going to happen if Allen Iverson just decided, you know what, I'm going to put on a dress and go play in the WNBA? That's 130 points in the first quarter. That's just straight up. What do y'all think going to happen if Usain Bolt decides, hey, I'm, I'm going to go get a weave and I'm going to buy a woman's running outfit and he decides to run against women in the Olympics in running? That's your new champion right there. You can go through all these hijinks you want to, but it's all an attack on God. And, and it doesn't matter how woke the world tries to get. Well, we support that, that one girl. There's one girl, high school track runner. She was the state champion as a freshman in high school. How good do you think your child's prospects look if she won state as a freshman? How do you think she's going to do as a sophomore? She's going to dominate it. She won state as a sophomore in three different races. Guess what happened to her in her junior year? She won state as a junior. She was the number one runner in high school sports for, for girls in the whole nation. Guess, guess, guess uh, you, you think she won state as, as a senior? The, the story wouldn't be good if she did. She did not. She lost every race as a senior in high school. She was the number one most sought-after high school runner in the nation. And she did not win one race as a senior. You know why? Because two brothers off the football team decided they were going to identify as women. And they started dressing up as girls. Now, this, this, this little African-American girl just went from being the best runner in the nation to, not, to being the third best runner on her. She did not win one race her whole year as a senior. Fell off the college recruiting map because Javon and Jaden, 6'4 and 6'5, brothers off the football team, just dominated. And because of the way culture is, you know what? Actually, she wasn't, she wasn't black. She was a white girl. They, you know what they made this little white girl do? At, they put ESPN interview. So what do you think about uh, your Oh, I'm just so proud of them living their authentic lives, living their best. She just started vomiting up stuff the woke crowd told her to vomit up, and she acted like she was happy. I don't even know what they were calling Jalissa and Janindria, Javon and Jaden. She acted like she was proud that Javon and Jaden at 6'4 and 6'5 came out there and just ran laps around every girl in the state. That ain't fair. It is not fair. It's ridiculous, but... She couldn't even come out and say, you know what she's thinking in her mind, this hot garbage. This is hot garbage right here on a July day in Jacksonville. This stuff stinks to high heaven. She can't say that. Why? Oh, well, then you're a bigot and you're a transphobe and you're a misogynist and you're, 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 what? 
You're a homophobe. Ain't nobody scared of homos. Find a new word. But no matter how hard America tries to twist God's plan, and that's all it is. That's all. This never happened before. Why is all this happening in our culture? Why? Because the enemy has turned up the heat. Why? Because just like Joe Frazier knew, when Marvis Frazier finally got a chance to fight for a title and it was losing in the final round, Smoke and Joe leaned in and said, Boy, you got to show your stuff. You're losing, son. You got to go out there and knock this man out. He didn't. He lost. But every boxer knows if it's the last round and you're losing, you got to turn, you got to go all out. This is the last round for the devil, y'all. This world can't keep going the way it's going. I mean, we've gone in my lifetime from Elvis not being able to do this on TV to I can't even, I can't even contort my body to show you what's happening on TV music videos in this day and age. But no matter how far the world goes in immorality, no matter how far the, the, the attack on God's plan, men, women, children, family, no matter how far the attack comes on the plan and the purpose of God, the darkness cannot extinguish the light. And you better get on the good side. You better get right or get left. You better be on God's side. Well, my nephew's cousin is gay, so I can't come out and speak. I'm not saying take a platform against homosexuals. You shouldn't be against anybody, but you should be for righteousness. I mean, you want to take out a platform, go, go, go against, you know, preachers eating all-you-can-eat buffet at the barbecue joint. That's ridiculous. I'm not saying be against it, but stop acting like it's normal. We've normalized insanity. We've no, they now passed a law in California where a fifth grader doesn't need his parents' permission to have his genitalia cut off. That little boy wanting to be a little girl, confused in his mind, can go to a doctor and they mutilate this child at what, 10 years old? We've normalized insanity, and it's not insanity without a purpose. It's an attack. It's an assault on the light of the world who is Jesus. It's an assault on the very God who created all that there is. The, the New Living says that the darkness can never extinguish it. In other translations, in, in that exact same phrase, talking about the the light shining in the darkness and the darkness trying to overcome it. It says the darkness did not comprehend it, did not understand it fully, could not grasp it, could not overcome it. Come out with all the movies you want to, Hollywood. Tell, tell everybody God is dead. God is never going to be dead. Tell everybody we're living in a post-church, post-denominational era. Tell the whole world nobody goes to church anymore. But the church of God will stand forever and God will never die because the darkness cannot overcome the light. You just got to decide whose side are you leaning on. In verse 5, the Bible says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Verse 6 says... God sent a man, John the Baptist. Now, how do you think this, this Bible sounds 
to someone who has been deceived by third wave feminism that wants to believe that men are all evil and the hero of every movie has to be a woman. Y'all seeing this? All you Marvel fans? Y'all seeing this? The hero of every movie now has got to be a, a woman. God sent a what? Woo, that's got to stick in the jaw of the feminist. And that's why they try to rewrite it. The book, Oprah says, the greatest book she ever read, The Shack. What was God in The Shack? A woman. Has God ever been a woman? Is God ever going to be a woman? No, God's not even really a man. Like, I'm a man. God is a spirit. But God knew he had to try to reveal himself to us in what, what theologians call anthropomorphic terms. That's when we assign natural uh, uh, things to a deity so we can better understand them. God sent a man. That doesn't say women aren't valuable. That doesn't say women aren't just... Listen, women are valuable. Women are, women are just as good as a man. Women were created at the same time in the same day that the man, just right after the man... And God values men and women the same. Listen, I value police officers and firefighters the same. Notice I didn't say Army and Navy. <laughs> but I, just a little, it's a yoke. It's a yoke, man. <laughs> I value firefighters and police officers. They don't do the same job. But I'm not saying that I think one is better than the other. God sent a man John the Baptist in verse 6. Verse 7 says that God sent him to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John the Baptist, we know from studying the, uh, the scripture, was the biological cousin of Jesus. Um, he's not the John that wrote this book. Uh, what, 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 what book did John the Baptist write? None of them. Um, John the Apostle wrote all five books ascribed to John. Uh, the Gospel of John, the book of the Revelation, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John the Baptist had a different role. John the Baptist was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Messiah. John the Baptist had been prophesied about in the Old Testament that God would put somebody out there to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. This is the very special role that John the Baptist had, but it says that he was sent to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. Listen to verse 8. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. Hear me good. John was the messenger, not the message. And I wish every pastor in the world could understand that that's their role. I wish every church member in the world could understand that they are and that their Christian leaders are simply the messenger, not the message. If your postman left his wife to go marry a man in, in, in Virginia, would you say, that's it, I can't take mail no more? 
And I postmaned and let me down so much, I, 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 I can't even. Would you call the post office and say, I'm taking my mailbox down. I don't want to get mail anymore. I'm so, I'm so hurt by the fact that my mailman would do something like that. You say, that's ridiculous, Pastor. Yes, it is. But it's no more ridiculous than people leaving the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because some pastor had a moral failure. Some pastor proved that he wasn't the Savior. Some pastor did something that got caught doing. Well, I expect my pastor to be perfect. I don't expect my mailman to be. Well, who taught you to expect a human being to be perfect? The Bible said it's foolish to put your trust in man, but that you should trust only in God. These people were trying to make out like, John, and then all through the Bible, all through the Bible, Paul and Silas walk into a place, they fall down, begin to start saying that they're gods, and they're like, stand up on your feet. We're human beings just like you. We got to understand that there's only one person who is the message. Everybody else is messengers. I have tried my best. The one thing that Gail used to correct me about more than anything else and, and she, she did it because she thought it made her look bad. She said, you, you, you say so much up there. You make yourself look so bad and, and, and so crazy, but you're not. And I tell her, I say, yeah, I just want people to know that I have flaws too. And if God can use somebody like me, that he could use somebody like them too. She said, yeah, but you make yourself sound like a train wreck and a horrible person. Uh, what, what are they, what's everybody going to think of me that I would marry somebody like that? I say, they're going to think the same thing you think. You're the luckiest woman alive. <laughs> Stop looking at human beings as extra. What, what, what are we going to do when, when the next, uh, what, what, what was my guy's name? Uh, Swaggered. Who, who, who was the guy that said, I've sinned? Jimmy Swagger, thank you. He was, he was on TV more than any, any preacher at that time and the radio. Over two-thirds of his church quit and never came back because they found out he was going out with prostitutes. Listen, if you're coming to this church because of me or Elder Keon or Elder Jimmy or anybody else, you've missed the whole boat. We are human beings. We Listen, I am thoroughly impressed with, with the, the man that Jimmy Rich is, the man that Keon Johnson is, but I am not delusional. They have faults too. Stop looking at preachers and Christian leaders and, and basing your connectivity to God on them. I saw on, on Facebook yesterday, somebody put out a post about how great God is, and one person tried to say, well, I believe in God, but I'm so tired of, of of liars in churches. I'll never be involved in organized religion before. The God of this Bible commands us to be in church. You don't get an excuse. Well, so-and-so preacher let me down. John himself. Jesus said of all the preachers that have ever lived or ever will live, there's not a greater prophet to arise than John the Baptist. And in the end of his life, he was calling for his disciples. He shouldn't even have disciples. He was calling for his disciples to go ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? He wouldn't. He wouldn't. There's nothing extra about preachers. Preachers are human beings. And they are just the messenger. They're not the message. 
John was not the light. He was a witness to tell about the light. I got a lot more to get to, but I'm going to close right here. We Maybe we'll talk about this again next week. You are not the message either. And you need to get that in your mind. You need to get that in your mind because so the devil tries to get some of y'all to think, well, I, how can I stand up and speak for Jesus when I haven't stopped doing this yet? I haven't stopped doing that yet. I still fight my own demons. I'm not fully delivered yet. How can I stand up? And some of y'all are gifted. You're called. You're anointed. And you're sitting down because you're waiting on yourself to get into my season. That's a lie of the devil. That's a deception. The Bible says the gift and calling of God are without repentance. God doesn't change his mind about the gift that he gave you. And some of y'all need to get off the bench and get in the game. Well, how, how can I fully serve God when I'm not fully surrendered? There's only one person that's fully surrendered to God, and that's Jesus. The rest of us are sinners in desperate need of his righteousness. Well, I, I, I need to get righteous before I can start you know, publicly serving the righteous God. He is our righteousness. If you're counting on your own righteousness, you will perish. If you know that he is your righteousness. Now, I'm not making light of sin. I'm not saying just live in your sin and, and still stand up and, and, and tell the world about Jesus. But don't use that as an excuse to hide in the shadows when you know God has put something in you to do for him. John wasn't the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. I'm for sure not the light I'm just a witness to tell about the light you know you're not the light but let me ask you this are you willing to be a witness to tell people about the light if you really believe the gospel story that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun if you really believe that the words of this book are true then there are people that are going to go out into eternity and perish in hell forever well, that's why I pray for them. Praying is good. Praying is fantastic. I like what the old church mother said. Baby, you got to put some feats to your prayers. Praying is good. But you need to open up your mouth. And you need to start telling people. And here's what they're going to do. I've, said, I, I've, I've had this in my own life. I've been saved for 41 years. And I've had people tell me from day one, Oh, is that, is that what they're teaching you down at that church? Is that, is that what a Christian acts like? Got worse when I became a pastor. Oh, is that what a pastor acts? Oh, I thought you were supposed to be a pastor. And I, I just got bold enough, you know, later in life just to finally start telling them, no, I'm not supposed to be a pastor. I am a pastor. It says so on my business card. <laughs> got a plaque on my desk that says pastor. My mama calls me Pastor. Oh, I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. No, I am a Christian. I'm a Christian that needs a Savior. I'm a Christian that's still in my process. I'm a Christian that's not counting on my own perfection to get to heaven. I'm counting on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to get to heaven. Now, I am determined to continue to grow in my relationship with Christ. I am determined to get better as a human being, better as a pastor, better as a father, better as a man. I'm, I'm determined to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads me to a more righteous lifestyle. But I'm not the light. But I can say this for sure. I'm willing to be the light. Uh, but to be a witness, not to be the light, but to be a witness to tell you about the light. And my 
question to you is, are you? Are you? John the Baptist was. Listen, ain't nobody ever lived been with it. Well, some. I just thought a couple people in this church. Most people have never been as weird as John the Baptist. <laughs> he was weird. He was different. He wasn't everybody's flavor. But God sent him to be a witness, to tell people about the light. There's no doubt in my mind that if you're a Christian, God's express purpose for you is to be a witness to tell people about the light. And the devil wants to use whatever he can to hold you back. Well, I'm not ready because this, that, and the other thing. Well, I'm trying to get out of school. Well, as soon as I transition out of this job, well, as soon as my kids move out, well, as, as, as soon as I get past this, as soon as I conquer it, mm. there's always going to be something to stop you. Oh, man, if we had a big old choir, if we were a traditional Baptist church, if I'd have them sing that song, we used to sing a song in the old church. It said, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. It's time to stop turning back, church. It's time for you to start inviting everybody you know to come to Jesus. Not just this church, but to come to Jesus. We open these doors on Sunday morning and let you bring your visitors, let you bring your guests. They'll hear something about God that God could use to touch their heart, change their life. I told you last week each one can reach one. You need to go out and reach somebody for Jesus. You need to go out. Jesus said you are the salt and the light. Everywhere you go, you ought to flavor your atmosphere for Jesus. Brighten that room for Jesus. On your job, in your home, in your community, in your car, in your bedroom. The atmosphere ought to be different. Because you're in there sprinkling the salt of Jesus Christ all over everything. And the visibility ought to be different because you're in there shining the light. So the whole world can see the message. Jesus is the message. You need to be the messenger. But if you won't, then you'll never be everything God wants you to be. Start telling someone about Jesus. Start inviting people to church. Start building your spiritual relationship with God. Start investing more in your spirituality than you do in other aspects of your life. Blows me away. People think giving one or two hours a week to God is a sacrifice. An average American spends over six hours a day watching television. That's 42 hours a week. That's more than your job. You go to work 40 hours a week, let somebody tell you what to do, and you do it. You can come to church a couple hours a week and feel bad if the preacher tells you to do something you don't want to do. We got to get our minds right. We've got to get our priorities right. And we've got to realize, I'm just a witness. What a great title, though. What a great title. God picked you to be his testifier. God picked you to be his witness. 
Paul told the church at Corinth, we are his ambassadors, that God himself did beseech us. God chose you out of the whole world to represent him. Let's represent him well. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would give us a passion and an urgency to be your witnesses and to tell everybody about a God who will save anybody. We love you, God. We ask you to fill us with your spirit, enable us and empower us to do and to be all that you've called us to do and be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.